I went on a date with a guy and he openly said he wants nine kids. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. I was like, um, okay. I'm not sacrificing my lifestyle. Yeah. I work hard. I'm good with my money. Welcome back to another episode of Sometimes Shavada Slaps. I'm Mac. I'm Jubes. And today our topic is about money. Money, money, money. It is book club month two. Yes. Um, and so we posted on our Instagram that this month we are reading Rich Bitch by Nicole Lappin. Yeah. Um, because I heard her on another podcast and I sent it to Journey and I was like, what do you think about how she says yeah. things basically yeah. how does she sound to you <laughs> she like her voice yeah. beautiful beautiful <laughs> um no we just like the way like how how casually she talked about um finances and we thought it'd be a really easy like digestible way for us to learn more yeah exactly even though like i've learned about it like through family members my entire life yeah but it hasn't fully clicked for me and so i wanted something that's a really easy read yeah to get my bearings on money because it is a part of wellness right exactly money isn't everything but it does contribute to your happiness when you're not living paycheck to paycheck and you can do things that make you happy and spend money on those (laughs) yoga classes or go to the gym or do things you want to do that benefit your well-being like you need money to live plain and simple exactly unfortunately so this is why we chose it for holistic wellness because it is a part of wellness wellness, yeah right financial well-being is very necessary exactly um especially in today's market (laughs) yep so that's fun um yeah just a few things to note like about the book before we get started is that it is written in the usa so some things might be a little bit different in Canada. I'm not, like, too familiar with the differences, so we're just going to talk about what the book presented to us. And I know Michaela found just some information about, like, Canada and specifics. Mm-hmm. Um, so just keep that in the back of your mind. Um, or even outside of Canada, right? Like, if you're... Yeah. Whatever your country is, a lot of them are, are different. If you are tuning in from Europe, um, I know a lot of European countries cover a lot of your just like well-being expenses right yeah versus like the u.s in particular is known for not covering any medical yeah right yeah so just little things like that to keep in the back of your mind but overall it is just good knowledge to have and to know and there are good practices that you should be putting in place in your life that will help you just handle your money better pretty much yeah and then so we for presenting it we kind of broke it up in half and so Journey's going to present the first half of the book, and then I'm going to present the half, second half. Yeah. And we anticipate this is going to be a very long episode, so we're just going to get right into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so she separates the book into steps, and she has it as like a 12-step program, kind of, because um, sometimes it's easier to think about money or think about what you need to do if you make a list and do it step by step, yeah. which is what she mentions in the first step. They can't eat an elephant in one bite, right? Exactly. Kind of thing. You gotta break it up a little bit. 
Um, so the first chapter is just embrace the rich bitch attitude. So she stresses the importance of being fluent in the language of money, which will help you succeed in all aspects of life. So it's like you need money to do all the things that bring you happiness. And so it's important to like admit you have a money problem, which sounds like aggressive and accusatory, but problem doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. It's like admit you have money and you want to practice how to better spend it is pretty much what she meant with that. Like Mm -hmm. you might still have money. You're not necessarily broke or spending poorly, but you don't know the language around money and like what you need to know to spend it. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like, she also stresses that like financial health isn't about depriving yourself of that latte that brings you joy in the morning. It's just working, working with your money in a way where that doesn't like absolutely break the bank for you. Well, and you see all those like hustle grind, whatever, right? You spend your $5 on this drink every day. And yeah, if you invested instead, you'd be a millionaire by 35 and exactly just life expenses though. Right. Like yeah. maybe, if, well, that's, if that's your mindset and you're willing to give that up... Yeah, then go for it. All the power yeah. to you. Like, one thing I think to look into, particularly for people, is subscription services. Yeah. How many things are you paying for that you don't actually use? Exactly. Right? Things that you tried for promos, other, sh- like, learning, sharing sites. Um, say you exclusively watch Netflix, but you're paying for Crave Hulu. Yeah, all those other Disney. ones. Then... Yeah, cancel your subscription, save money that way. Or even right? if you signed up for something that you forgot you signed up for. So it's like, check your credit card bills, mm-hmm. which we come back to a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the first step just kind of like intros what the book is going to focus on and some of her like personal anecdotes to make it relatable, which I really like what she does is how she has like, this is my story. This is how I worked through it. This is where I am now. Or like, so-and-so came to me about this and this is what I did with it. And I think it's... It's a great way to personalize it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the language in this book is very casual. Yeah. Um, it, it very much is like how she spoke on the podcast. It's yeah, just very... I found a lot of it was like, oh, I feel like I heard that before. And it's like, oh, yeah, I heard her say that on this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then like the second chapter, which is like get a grip on your future. So live the life you want to live. But what do you want? essentially like define the life that you want and so she splits it into three f's so finance fun and family Mm -hmm. so for finance she suggests making a one three five seven and ten year goals in terms of your career slash job so it's like where do you want to be in one year with this job where do you want to be in three years with this job and she really stresses the importance of making them realistic and attainable Mm -hmm. and like if you need to go back and like if you're um approaching your three-year uh like in your three-year timeline but you're not close to the goal that you wanted to have by your three years re-look at your goal sheet and kind of be like okay this is where i am right now What's it going to take for me to do this? Or do I need to change my five-year goal so that I can still, like, achieve it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of talks about how, like, you need to be aware of what it takes to make those things happen and then do it right away. Like, start implementing what it takes to do those goals immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, like, one of the examples she has is, like, if you want to be a teacher 
and just live on a teacher's salary, but save enough to retire at 65, but also go on a vacation twice a year and like do all of these extravagant things. She's like, realistically, you can't do that. So pick what's most important in those Mm -hmm. for you to like, if you want to travel like every year, then be okay with traveling every year, but know that you might not be able to put money into your retirement. Yeah. I guess that's all wage dependent too, right? Yeah. Wherever you teach is different. Like in the States in particular, teachers get paid significantly less than in Canada and other uh, countries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like that was just one example that she uses that's specific to the States. But yeah, don't live like, basically don't live beyond your means and expect to have a comfortable retirement. Exactly. Yeah. If you're looking at someone who like, even with me and Bryce, me living on a coffee shop salary is going to be incredibly different than him living on a framer salary. Mm-hmm. So it's like my life's going to look different than his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and to just like, I guess you have to be okay with that or change what you can. Yeah. Um, and she also really talks about um, talking about your goals and really like bringing life to them mm-hmm. so it's make sure that you share your goals i don't know if it's that kind of falls under like the whole concept of manifestation right and that's what we keep talking about and we will touch more on um for our new year's episode we're yes. doing goal setting for that one yep so but yeah like when you manifest it you you give it life you you bring it into existence and exactly. you're kind of putting energy and thought into it which is just gonna if your focus is on it, yeah, then you're going to just actively find more things that surround that or find the people who help promote that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's what she says at the end of the uh, chapter is like, bring good energy to your goals. Mm-hmm. Like, talk about them. Speak them into, like, happening pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, she talks about some, like, important questions to kind of ask yourself in terms of, like, what kind of life you want Um, outside of your career so it's like do you want to own your own home do you hope to retire early or not at all do you need to fund your children's college education which is something that you need to think about especially in canada and the states Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah. and do you need to provide Mm -hmm. for your aging parents like what is life going to look like 40 years down the line kind of Mm -hmm. Um, so that's finance and for fun we um She says, we live to maximize our understanding of what makes a rich, fulfilling life. So, like, what are your fun goals? What are the things that you want to do for fun? Because, yeah, you don't want to work like a pack mule and then die. Exactly. You're not living to die. Life is more than just working. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what she talks about in fun is just, like, define what's fun for you, what kind of goals you want to do that, whether it's, like, donating to a charity or volunteering at a charity or going on a backpacking trip across Europe. Like, what can you do to kind of realistically make those happen? Mm -hmm. Um, And then family. She says... Because obviously it's hard to, like, give advice on how to save for a family, especially, like, for Michaela and I, where both of us are in very different situations. Mm-hmm. But I like the way she set it up as, like, year one, I want to... She did, like, a one, three, five, seven, and ten year goal for that. She's like, year one, I want to, like, be in the dating world. Mm-hmm. Year three... I want to be consistently dating one person. Mm-hmm. Year five, I want to talk about moving in with that person. Year seven, we want to consider marriage. Year 10, we want to consider 
having kids. Mm-hmm. So she kind of set it out in a very, very interesting way. I kind of liked that she was, she set it out like that. And she's like, mm-hmm. just wanted to say, um, figure out what you want so you can work towards it. Like, what is your goal for relationships? Like, obviously, that's a little bit harder to kind of set like a yeah. deadline to, but you don't really need one. And would you say, like, if you have a a partner, though, and you start bringing up the idea of, like, okay, so when we get married, because we both want to get married, yeah, how long after are we going to be planning having kids? Exactly. How many kids do we want? Yeah. Because that's going to save differently, right? Exactly. If you have someone who wants nine kids, yeah, well, then buckle up. You better be saving everything. (laughs) Exactly. And cancel family trips. There's no way that's going to happen, right? Exactly. You're going to do staycations for life. Yeah. But if you're like, no, we want one kid. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a lot more manageable to to save for. Yeah. Yeah. Because having kids is expensive. You like, Mm. that's plain and simple. You have to feed them and clothe them and... Um, and then pay for their education, which is expensive. If you want to. That's another she brings up later yeah. on. Is Okay. Mm-hmm. If you want to, um, in the retirement episode, she's like, do you want to save for your retirement or do you want to save for your kid's college fund? If you have to make right. the choice. Yeah. Then she breaks down some other points I'll bring up later. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's kind of sad that you have to choose. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. that's a topic but for another day. <laughs> you break down what's m- important to you and... yeah and whatnot right like, yeah what do you want to do mm-hmm. um and so two of or like some of the most important things from this chapter were just like your goals need to be compatible with what you were doing in life yeah um you need to create a realistic timeline for them so you can't be like by year three i want to be a millionaire but i'm only working at a coffee shop so it's like <laughs> that's a little bit tricky to make happen and it's extremely unrealistic. Like you better be really good at investing or have some wicked side hustles. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like playing the lottery. Yeah. And yeah, like bringing good energy to your goals and constantly talking about them because again, if it's at the forefront of your mind, it's a lot easier to bring into fruition. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's chapter two. (laughs) Step three is to create, like, a budget that fits you. And she says, budget is a very scary word that people don't like to hear. So she calls it a spending plan, which, like, literally just changing the term makes it, your brain just, like, opens up to it way more so. Or at least mine did. I was like, oh, okay, I like that a lot. Because budget, does it seem restrictive to you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It feels very, like, you need to budget your money. You need to, instead of, like you need to be, you need to have a spending plan, like plan how you're spending your money. Yeah. Um, so she talks about like assets and liabilities, kind of figuring out where you stand financially. Um, she gives actually examples of what a, like creating a balance sheet looks like for your, um, like spending plan. Mm -hmm. And then she goes into the different kind of assets you have. So you have like current assets, which are cash and investments, and those can easily be turned into like hard cash so like those are things you have access to immediately Mm -hmm. and then there's non-current assets which are things like long-term investments real estate just like stuff like art jewelry cars some of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and then she talks about liabilities how there's short-term liabilities like credit card debt and then there's long-term liabilities like mortgages student loans car loans things like that (coughs) 
And then she talks about credit reports and credit scores. Um, and so, like, the better the score you have, the easier to get a loan with a lower interest rate. So you really want to keep an eye on that. Um, and your payment history and debt load are considered when looking at this. And so there's quite a bit of information um, like on that. And she's like, don't take out too many credit cards. Like don't take out too many loans at one time because that could impact your interest rate later on. And like, it could impact you getting a loan later on because you've taken out too many lines of credit and the banks are going to be like, whoa, why, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So like a cheat sheet of ways to get a higher score. So pay your bills on time. Don't cut up unused credit cards. Um, build a credit history. So she gave an example earlier in the book where she would only pay with things, pay for things with cash. So when she went to go like buy a house or buy a car, she had no credit history. So they weren't able to like approve her. Mm -hmm. And that happened to me when I was trying to get like a phone, which is so stupid because I had been like paying off a credit card, but it wasn't building up credit in my name. Mm. Which we thought it was because my name was on the card, but it was under my mom's account. Oh, so I was like, oh, but I have, like, I'm really good at this. Like, I've been following the rules, but they, I had to pay off more because they weren't willing to, like, loan me the phone or whatever. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. And I was like, that's kind of stupid, but whatever, I get it. Um, don't max out your credit cards. So keep the balance at no more than 20% of your limit. That's just a good way to keep your credit score high. Um, and limit how often your credit is checked. This one was mm-hmm. really interesting because she says you can check your credit um, like infinite amount of times and it won't affect it. But when you apply for a loan or apply for a new credit card or um, do something like that, or like um, you're going to rent a place and like the landlord checks your credit, that's when your credit dips. So you need to be careful how often you're getting them to check your credit Mm. instead of like you just going and checking it on like um she gives a couple websites that you can do it on and i know for my credit card i can just do it on the app yeah so i can do it on my banking app as well yeah so like that doesn't impact your credit which i thought that's really important because a lot of people told me like don't check your credit and i'm like well like it's right here for me to have like what's the point of having a credit score if i don't know what it's at yeah so one tip that I was told when first getting a credit card yeah. is to use it like a debit card until you're making those big purchases. See, and I was told the opposite. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that was, if you use it like a debit card, you pay it off right away. Yeah. Um, then you are building that credit, right? And you're like, oh, they're paying it off yeah. right away. And so that's when I was, when I first got it, it was don't max it out. Yeah. Don't use these big purchases. Yeah. Use it like a debit card. Okay, yeah. My mom's like, pay it off right away, or if you can and you know you're going to be making a purchase on it, put that money in there before you even make that purchase. Um, mm-hmm. But save it for, like, um, like renewal, like, subscription things, mm-hmm. and don't use it just every day. Yeah. I, I don't know which one's better. Yeah, right? I have no idea. And, and like, that's for each person right because both ways build credit mm-hmm. provided you are paying it off regularly right like yeah and i guess the, another thing too now though there is some it's an article coming out where there's going to be more fees if you pay on credit cards yeah i saw that too so in that scenario then yeah use your debit card or, exactly. or have cash or whatever else right yeah but i guess just to confirm what 
your credit card is and what is better is yeah. spending on it more. Like if you have one that's connected to um, like an airplane, yeah, like a WestJet one or a Costco yeah. card, are using that is using that as a debit card. Is that going to be more beneficial for you or is it? Yeah, and she talks about that in the credit card. Uh, chapter. Okay. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because she's like, okay, if you if there's like a ninety five dollar fee that you pay once a year and you get half of a ticket that year, that ninety five dollars isn't really worth having that credit card for. Mm-hmm. But if you pay that ninety five dollars and you get to go on many trips throughout that year using it like a debit card, then yeah, that ninety five dollars is absolutely worth it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of things like that. And I know for me, using my credit card as a debit card doesn't work because I don't like having to go in and pay it off. Mm-hmm. I like it just immediately the money's out of my bank account. Mm. Like I don't have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I like to just pay it off in one lump sum at the end of the month when I get my transaction or statement. Yeah. No, that's but that just works for me. And I think the original comment of use it like a debit card came from like, don't live outside your means this isn't free money yes that's where i was getting with that thank you for reminding me it's like your credit card isn't free money it's still money that you have to pay off but it's marketed like it is free money and that's what it gets people Mm -hmm. totally Um, yeah okay that makes that kind of makes my thoughts a little clearer (laughs) um (laughs) so um blah 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 i said that oh there's a very important difference important difference between gross income versus net income, which um, when you're making your spending plan, you need to know the difference. So gross income is before taxes. Net income is the money you actually get that goes into your bank account. And she does a really good way of breaking it down in the book and giving you like actual examples. Like, okay, I'm making $150,000 a year, but because taxes are so high in this state, I'm only actually making $95,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you yes, you might, you can say you're making a six-figure income, but you're not actually living on that six-figure income. And that would be something I guess to consider in your spend, spending plan mm-hmm. is where you live. Mm-hmm. Like, you could be born and raised in in one province yeah. for Canada, say it's Manitoba, right? Yeah. Born and raised in Manitoba, but... Housing's cheaper typically, but wages are way less and mm-hmm. taxes are way more and yeah. um, like liquor and whatnot is all provincially taxed. Yeah. Versus you come somewhere like Alberta, wages are typically higher. Housing yeah. is also higher, yeah. but tax is a third of yeah. what it is in, in Manitoba. Exactly. And that's why, I mean, right now in Canada specifically, we're seeing so many people from the East Coast, mm-hmm. um, specifically the Toronto area, because Toronto has just become so... Um, the cost of living is yeah massive, un- un- unbearable for yeah. younger people, right? Yeah, that we are seeing so many twenty-somethings coming out to Alberta now. Yeah, uh, just because it's easier to get on your feet exactly. as far as like a big city goes in Canada. Yeah, and that she does talk about that because she's living in New York, mm-hmm. and so she's like, the cost of living in New York is absolutely stupid. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, not ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, And then expenses. So she splits the expenses into three categories of essentials, endgame, and extras. So essentials should be no more than 70% of your net income. And housing should be no more than half of the 70%. So housing should contribute to no more than 35% of your expenses. 
Um, Endgame is 15% of expenses, which is just like saving for retirement, children, all of that fun stuff down the line. And then extras is also 15%. This is kind of like your fun money. And she recommends that you take that out in cash. Like each paycheck, you take out 15% in cash because it's like harder to spend money you don't have Mm -hmm. in a sense. Like you can just put your debit card down for everything and the money will keep coming out. Mm -hmm. But if you have $200 in hard cash, once that's gone, that's gone. When you're able to see that and, and, uh, budget it. Yeah. It gives it more of like a value almost. Mm -hmm. You like, you know, oh my gosh, this is all that I have. Instead of like, I just have this plastic card that has no like value. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's where something like an allowance, like when you have kids could be beneficial when you're teaching that those habits. I didn't get an allowance. (laughs) I didn't get an allowance either. (laughs) It was just like, you got to do the work because you're living under our house. But (laughs) yeah, you will get food and a nice bed. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You'll be happy about it. (laughs) But, But no, like if you are trying to like, again, teach kids, siblings, whatever about money, having it in cash and having a physical object that you're like looking at, I can see the benefit of that. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to actually like implement that in my life, but I would like to try at least. Um, And then she also says to come back to your spending plan when you need to. It's there to help you. It can be tweaked. It can be changed. If you find that you're not using um, all of the money in one section and you maybe want to move it more to another section, you can kind of like move it around as necessary, which I kind of liked. Um, and she uses real numbers and it's really nice to just see. Okay. And then step four is home is where your stuff is. So it's about (laughs) your living situation, which like I said, 35% of your net income should go towards your house. It's just a guideline. She doesn't like for you to get to 50% of your income because then it just gets a little bit sketchy. Like you have to um, take from your end game and your extras and stuff, especially if you don't need like the house that you're like, if I was living in this condo, this two bedroom condo by myself, I don't need that. Yeah. I might be able to technically afford it, but even though it's taking 50% of my paycheck, like, yeah, I don't need it. Um, And then she gets into the, uh, debate of whether to buy your house or just to rent it, which mm-hmm. was really interesting because she argued that you should rent. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because we're always told you should buy. Yeah. But with the way the market is going, especially when she wrote the book, she's she wrote like, it in 2015 for reference. Yeah. So yeah. it's post 2008 housing crisis, pre COVID. Um, so I would be really interested to see if she writes another book after COVID. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she argues that you shouldn't buy a house um, unless, just because it ends up being like more expensive and then yes, you end up with something, but like it depreciated so much in value that you're not going to make money from buying, I guess. When I see that with like a car, right? Like yeah. don't buy a new car because the minute you drive it off the lot, you're down exactly. like $30,000 Exactly. It. And so that's the right. next, chap- next chapter is like a car. So she like, and the, she intros that chapter of being like, don't lease the car, buy the car, which I know is the opposite of what I said about the houses. That's so weird. I know. Okay. But yeah, because I don't, I still don't really understand it. But mm-hmm. she's like, three questions you kind of need to ask yourself when you're considering buying. Can you guarantee that you're going to live in it for a while? Yeah. Like, this isn't just like, 
buy for a year and then sell. Um, can you afford it? Can you put down about 20% of a down payment depending on your area, your credit check, all of that fun stuff? Mm-hmm. And do you have a steady job that you love? Yeah. And that one kind of ties into like, will you stay there for a while? Because if you don't have a steady job, then you're more likely to change jobs and like that could require you moving. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like I'm not going to buy a house because I don't have a steady career right now. Exactly. Right? But yeah. If you're starting a life and you have your career and you want to network in an area, yeah, I don't see why you wouldn't. Because if you're paying, if rent is the same as yeah. mortgage payments, why I wouldn't mean, you want to end up with an asset? Exactly. Yeah. So I want you to read this chapter because yeah. it was very interesting. Um, and I don't know. Now it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you're welcome for that, guys. Um, <laughs> And she also, this was interesting because I didn't know this. She says to keep 3% of the purchase price for closing costs. Yeah. So, which I had never thought of. Like, it had come into my mind, but there was no, like, these are called closing costs. These are things mm-hmm. that you need to think about when buying, and they're there. They kind of, like, get you at the end. Well, there are so many hidden things with buying, too, right? If you want an ins- inspection, if you want... Yeah. Like, again, yeah, closing costs, um, taxes that you don't even think about. Yeah, and so she gives examples, like, lawyer's fees, like, depending on how complicated the sale is, home appraisal fees, because you want to know what your house is worth, Mm -hmm. Um, property survey fees, so you know where your property lines are, a home inspection, that is 100%, Um, pest inspection, local property taxes, um, sewer fees. Do do we have sewer fees? I grew up on a septic tank. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't. I'd never I never heard I don't know of if that it's before. Sewer specific, but I do think there is some like water, like when you are <clears throat> as part of your tax, like your homeowner's tax, yeah. like when you're in a town. Yeah. Um, I don't know about your apartment situation. Yeah. When you have a house in town, there are different like town fees. Yeah. And so I think it would probably be wrapped up in in that that town fee. Okay, that makes sense. For like water, um specifically like water cleaning oh, and distribution, okay. like water is a big one in yeah. in um in town. Yeah. Water. Yeah, same here. Um yeah. but I don't know what the And so I don't know if sewer would fall under the water fee. Yeah. I so, don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but her comment on that is that it's romantic. Um, romantic like, local sewer fees romantic <laughs> um, homeowners insurance premium so like you need to insure your home title insurance um, like transfer fees clerk fees and just like miscellaneous just like weird fees like you just need to have extra money aside so you're not uh, like screwed um, yeah and then she talks about the difference between fixed rate mortgages and adjustable rate mortgages so fixed rate mortgages stay the same. If you buy in high, the interest rate stays high. But if you buy in low, it stays low. Um, adjustable rate is um, it's often a little bit unpredictable. And it will be lower, but not necessarily in the long run. So like... It goes with the market. Yeah, exactly. They'll, they go up and down. Like you go in low, but if the market... Um, increases while you have that house, your interest rate's going to increase. That's one thing I know a lot of people are, are having issues with now. Yeah. Uh, and hesitations with purchasing because inflation has gone up so much mm-hmm. that these rates are going up crazy or could go up crazy. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, do you, is it worth the lock in at this 
high number, relatively yeah. high number, mm-hmm. or do you wait it out and see if it goes lower again? Exactly. It's unpredictable. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a little sketchy. But then there's also the hybrid adjustable rate mortgage where it's fixed for five to seven years. And then you can kind of look at it. And if it's lower, you can um, change to the lower rate um, or you can stay, I think, with the original rate that you started with. Uh, Okay, so another thing she says is you can't just like refinance an adjustable rate mortgage to a fixed rate mortgage because that's when all sorts of bad things happen. And she gives some examples. Um... But it's just, it's not as easy as it sounds. And so don't go into an adjustable rate mortgage thinking, oh, when it gets high, I'll just go to a fixed rate. Or like, I'll, when it goes low, I'll just go to a fixed rate. Because it's not actually that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, inflation is still not nice to us. So that's kind of fun. Um, and buying doesn't make sense for everyone. So like, it wouldn't make sense for Michaela right now. But it might for me because I'm planning on staying in this area and setting up a community. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, I don't have a steady job that I love, but like we have a steady income. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. Um, and then the next chapter is about transportation, which is and the other 35% of your essentials. Um And so she says to make sure that you organize your big expenses um, by, like, percentage that they have to get paid back or in percentage of what they should take. What the heck? That note doesn't make any sense. Anyway, she says organizing big expenses so your percentages are in check. And I've got no idea what that's in reference to. So yay me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) Because she talks a lot about, um, like, paying off loans by order of interest rate. So, like, pay off the ones with the highest interest rate first. Mm. Which makes sense. For transportation, you should limit it to no more than 20% of your income. She recommends closer to the 10% side. Um, Don't lease because you pay more in the long term. Um... There's, like, closed-end lease versus open-end leases. Um, So, for a closed-end lease, the car company absorbs any, um, like, depreciation in the car or whatever. But with an open-end, you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And she said, new cars depreciate 15 to 20% the second you drive them off the lot. And they lose 70% of their value in the first four years. Mm -hmm. So, she also doesn't really recommend buying new. She's like... Find a good used car. Okay. Um, and she's like, and if you have to take out a loan, she recommends putting at least 20% down. Um, and she really advises against taking out a car loan because of the fact that they depreciate so quickly. So you're paying more than the car will ever be worth again. Yeah. Um, and when you go, like, if you do want to buy new or even buy used, Um, from a dealership go in with the mindset of like i need to like haggle this Mm -hmm. like do your research ahead of time so you know this is the car i want this is how much it goes for go into the dealership be like this is the car i want this is how much it goes for Mm -hmm. when they're like oh i can give you this you're like nope this is the car i want this is how much it goes for well and that's like i mean you have the slimy car salesman exactly cliche for a reason yeah and she also says go towards the end of the month because they make their commission um, kind of, and they also have kind of like a quota. 
So they're more likely to sell you the car to get that car sales under their belt for a smaller price because they want to meet their quota. Mm-hmm. And she says, this is just a general rule of like, people are more likely to take less than nothing. Mm-hmm. So that's important. And then food. Uh, that should be 5 to 10% of your spending plan. Um, healthy isn't always more expensive, but it's always worth it. So it'll save you on health bills which is the next section, which I didn't really talk too much about because in Canada, we do have free healthcare and in the States, it is obviously quite a bit more expensive, but she's like, make sure you have a good insurance plan. Make sure all of that is covered so that if something happens, you don't have to fork it all out in cash and go over your medical bills because she was able to negotiate a $1,800 medical bill down to, I think, six. Jesus. So she's like, because she was getting charged for like an x-ray that she didn't actually have. Mm. And like there was a bunch of things on there. She's like, I'm not paying for this. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to negotiate. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's pretty much it for that chapter. Um, And then step six is just paying back debt. So the first thing you need to do is acknowledge that you have it. You can't just ignore it. Then set a deadline for paying it back. Then set up auto payments that will, like, help achieve your deadline. So, like, if you have uh, $5,000 in credit card debt and you're like, okay, I'm going to give myself two years to pay this back, split it up into monthly payments so that that's automatically coming out of your account, provided you can afford that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and make sure you have, like, a why so that you, like, and we say this again in our <laughs> next episode, the goal setting one is easier. In the new year episode. In the new year one, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that it's easier to like work towards your goals if you have a reason mm-hmm. um, instead of just, yeah. And then prioritize debt by rate. Pay off the ones with the highest interest rate first. Um, and for credit card debt, she recommends paying it off in full every month to avoid compound interest because that'll get you. Mm-hmm. Um don't just cut up your credit card because it doesn't get rid of your debt. If you have a card that has debt on it, don't just cut it up and get rid of it because that will show up on any of your credit checks in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, She says that even if you do have multiple credit cards, leave one reoccurring payment on each to auto and then set it to auto pay to kind of grow your credit, but don't have like too many in a short period of time. You know, like, don't go open four credit cards in a month. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have a couple, just, yeah, use those to build up your credit. Um, and every time you open a credit card, your credit score gets dinged. So just be aware of that. Um, and credit cards usually have the highest interest rate out of um, these, like, out of student loans, mortgage loans, and car loans. Um, and so the next is student loans, which... When you usually start paying off student loans, the payment usually only actually covers the interest, mm-hmm. which is kind of annoying. So you're not even paying down any principal before, like, um, when you're paying it off to begin with. Um, and student loan debt can't be eliminated if you file bankruptcy. It follows you around. All other kinds can. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, wow. So you're really just going to screw students then. Like, that's so sweet. So, yeah. Go to university to get a job. Yeah. But then get fucked with the debt afterwards. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, And then she talks about, like, consolidating your student loans. So if you have a bunch of different student loans, try and get them, put them on all the same plan with the lowest interest rate, and then just make it one big monthly payment. Okay. Um, 
And then for mortgages, the interest that you pay on your mortgage can be tax deductible, which I didn't know. So that was kind of interesting. And it's just like, just pay your mortgage. And then before borrowing money from a friend, decide what you need most, like the friend or the money kind of thing, Mm -hmm. because it kind of gets a little bit sketchy. Um, And she recommends against borrowing money from a friend, which I think is fair, because it can kind of like... Well, it can... can uh, if the friend can't pay it off right away, and then it, then you need it, and you're like, "But I need it back now," then it yeah. can get a little bit tumultuous. Yeah, unless you want to go like the full, like set up a contract and have like a repayment mm-hmm. schedule and stuff. I guess the only time where like I, I would be more like forgiving and open to that is like if you were like, "Hey, Michaela, yeah, I get paid next week, but I need two hundred dollars. Like, can mm-hmm. I please?" Yeah, I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, right." And she also says like, if you're the friend who's giving the money ask for the money back like yeah. don't be afraid to be annoying because that's your money yeah like yeah. so yeah that was that's the only kind of scenario where i think you i mean way out your expense if you don't have even the 200 dollars or whatever it is yeah say if you don't have 50 dollars, like then say no yeah <laughs> right? exactly sorry yeah sorry i can't afford that right now but yeah i yeah. guess you kind of weigh out your relationships how well you know that person how uh, even family versus friends, right? If it's a family yeah. member, if it's a friend, like... Well, yeah, even that gets a little bit sketchy because you don't want to... And yeah. if you know you're never going to have that money to pay them back, don't ask for it in the first place, kind of. Yeah. But yeah. But that's all, I mean, your personal relationships and it's, situations, yeah. right? very circumstantial. Yeah. All of this is very circumstantial. Yeah. Um. So, continuing on, uh, chapter seven is she calls it lock it up mm-hmm. and it basically talks about your savings like what you have on hand at all times and your emergency fund your oh shit fund whatnot yeah so your cash stash is the money that's available to you if you aren't making any money so a good rule of thumb for that is to have about three to six months of expenses available just in case mm-hmm. if you are on, if your job is on a commission-based job real estate agent salesman of sorts yeah she suggests to have at least one year of your living expenses saved up and if you're in the service industry, like tip-based, uh, bartenders, even coffee shop and stuff, yeah, uh, she says to have nine months saved, oh, um, at least, yeah. And that all again varies depending on your living expenses. Yeah, she's talking your housing, your food, your transport, yeah, your bills, yeah, that whole seventy percent, yeah, yeah. Try to have that much saved because if you lose your job, if there's no more work, as we saw with COVID, with the, yeah, with the pandemic, right? Yeah. You you need to have something on hand so you're not like, holy crap, I messed up. Yeah. Um, so things to consider again, yeah, for your expenses is any medical expenses. Um, again, being in the states, yeah. But even in Canada, there are we're not totally free. Yeah, there are some insulin medical expenses st- that come up. Yeah, insulin still isn't covered by Health Canada. Like exactly. So yeah. any sort of expenses that you might need. Um, even if you don't have um, medical coverage at your job, mm-hmm. right? And you need anything hormone-based as, yeah. as a female. Yeah. You're going to have to pay for that. Well, even like dental and eye care yeah. can be considered in that too. Exactly. So things consider your medical expenses. Have a fund for car any car issues that might come up. Mm-hmm. She suggests around like a couple grand, like, because if there's a big issue, then it will be yeah. a couple grand typically. Yeah. Um, if you have a family, any family issues, right? Mm-hmm. Your mom is sick. Are you going to need to support her? Yeah. Right. What What can you contribute to that to have on hand if you need to stop working to go take care of her? Exactly. Or whatnot. Uh, home expenses, water, electricity. Um, your you didn't have a back pump and now there's sewage in your basement. Yeah. 
right? Uh-oh. How are you going to fix that? Yeah. And then just freak of nature occurrences, uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, bad hailstorms. Yeah. Things like that. <laughs> Flooding. <laughs> and she off, uh, says to consider having a sub savings account, depending on what bank you have. Uh, this might be an option for free. Okay. Um, or you can have it, it might charge, charge, but basically it's just within your savings account, it has different sections uh, that you can label home, uh, oh. medical, whatnot. So you can see the money in that, your sub savings account. That is so nice. Yeah. So it's all right there. You look in, you're looking at it and you're like, oh, I can't touch this because that is my number for this. Oh my gosh. Oh shit fun. Wow. That's sick. And she even says like, she knows that she breaks her phone a lot. So she yeah. actually has a sub savings for her phone screen replacement. That's a good she's idea. Like, I don't care if the people at the bank laugh at me. Yeah. I know I'm going to need this. Yeah. And so it's, I'm going to make my bank work for me. Yeah. Which you need to do that. And, and so I'm going off of that. Not all banks are equal. So you really should research what bank is best for you. Yeah. Um, things to consider is like credit union versus like your actual bank or mm-hmm. like an actual bank. Yeah. Right. Uh, are they going to charge you for your savings account? Are they not going to charge you fees for your savings account? Yeah. Can you transfer money between your accounts without any fees? Yeah. Or will they charge you for that as well? Um, and there, and what saving accounts at your bank, what's the interest rate? Are you going to make any money for saving money? Yeah. Or if you go somewhere else, is it going to be better for you? Yeah. And so she's like, talks about really research what's around for you and what is, um, what will work for you. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so the three types is like credit unions, regular banks, and online banks. Uh, the top two perks that you should look for are free transfers between checkings and savings and the ability to make sub accounts like she talked about. Yeah. Look into special promotions at your banks. Find out how tech tax, how tech tastic they are. Right. <laughs> Can you do online banking or do you always have to go in during banking hours? Yeah. Right. That's not most I think do have online banking now, but yeah, it is something to consider. Right. Definitely. Um, Think ahead and know the process about shutting down an account. Are they going to rack you up with fees for taking your money out? Yeah. Because that does happen. That's, yeah, something you have to think about. And so there's just different types. And um, one thing she also suggests is not to sign up for overdraft protection. She thinks Mm -hmm. that it is a waste of money. I guess obviously consider that or look into that and see if that's right for you. Yeah. She talks a little bit about that in one of my chapters. Um, Yeah. She just says it screws you a little bit. Yeah. She's just basically like, there's no need for you to... To, to protect yourself from that if you just budget it and, and, yeah. and know what you're, where you're at. Exactly. Um, and then she kind of touches on taxes uh, in this chapter. She basically is like, you can't escape them, so it's best to learn about them and what you actually have to pay mm-hmm. to save yourself some money. Yeah. Um, if you can do it yourself, you can save money, then you don't have to pay someone else to do, do, someone else to do your taxes. Yeah. But if you don't know what you're doing get someone else to pay your taxes so you yeah. don't have the government coming back at you being like, oh, you didn't pay this, now you have to pay more. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So it's basically just learn about what you got to pay yeah. and to ultimately save money for yourself in the end. Definitely. Um, and also, as I ta- comment with that, if you work for yourself, you should be taking out taxes out of your your pay so mm-hmm. that when it comes to tax season it's you're already not like, right there i don't have any money yeah because that gets a lot of people especially when they start do, like doing subcontracting for framing mm-hmm. they don't know that they don't think to do that so they spend mm-hmm. all their money and tax season comes around and they're like i don't have any money i yeah. can't pay this back 
Exactly. Yeah. So when, when you're working for someone, it typically does come off your paycheck. And that's why it's so sad to receive your paycheck. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I made this much. No, I didn't. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but it will often come back to you in tax season, depending on where you live and how everything yeah. goes with that. Okay. And then so chapter eight is uh, put your career in overdrive. So a lot of this one is how to work. And she talks a lot about working for yourself Yeah, in this one. Uh, working for yourself isn't for everyone, but the premise of just like work hard and get as much pay as you can from what you're doing and just know your worth and your value. And yeah, a lot of these premises come from that. Yeah, so write down important. your specific like lifestyle and career goals and then ask yourself, do I know enough to get there? Mm-hmm. If the answer is no, and it's likely going to be no. Yeah. Then break up the steps. Well, what do I need to learn to get there? Yeah. And then start checking off those, those goals and working towards that. Yeah, that's good. As far as like being your own boss goes, think of what you love and try it for the part-time first is her advice. Okay. Um, don't quit your main source of income just to follow a passion. Yeah. Because you need to know when to separate what's your hobby and what's a career opportunity. Exactly. And the two examples that she uses is you love kickball, but you're not going to be a professional kickball player. Yeah. Or you love making cupcakes. Cupcakes can be a viable income source. Yeah. Right? It just depends. It's going to be hard work, but it's possible. Yeah, definitely. And then she kind of touches on some side hustles. And the ones that she um, specifically mentioned is uh, being a virtual assistant, mm-hmm. doing e-commerce work, like selling on Etsy or even Amazon. Oh, okay. A lot of people are promoting how to sell on Amazon now. Yeah. Uh, working under focus groups, being like a secret shopper and oh yeah, uh, reviewing for new products. Mm-hmm. Refing sporting games. Again, if you love kickball and yep. you want to ref for kickball, so be it. Yep, go for it. Or being a writer. Uh, she specifically talks about being an author full-time is not often practical, mm-hmm. but it is, when you get royalties, it could be a viable side hustle if you are passionate about writing. Yeah. Um, and then she kind of goes into the, are you the boss type, which is a little bit tough love, right? Because if you want to work for yourself and you're sick of your job and da 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 Yeah. But you do need to know how, how to do that, right? Yeah. So are you a self-starter? Can you work for yourself? Can you motivate yourself? Yeah. Or do you rely on other people around you to give you deadlines? Yeah. Um, are you passionate about the business that you want to get into? Do you understand every role within the company? Like if you hire a team, if it gets big enough, you need oh. to hire a team. Do you know how to break down every role and hire people appropriately for those those jobs? Yeah. Um, you don't need to be loud to be heard. Yeah. Right. Which I find is a lot of in the hustle grind culture. It's like, I made this much money in two months and you can too. And it's just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be a barracuda, right? You don't have to step on other people to get to that point. Exactly. You don't have to micromanage every element of your business. So it's just be knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. Don't be micromanaged. Yeah. And you do need to learn, like, you have to have that self-starter attitude and know what you're getting into. Yeah. Know the jargon. Know, uh, like, study what you can make yep. in this industry. Study how to get there. Exactly. Study people who have had success in said industry. Yeah. And pick their brain if you can on how to get there. Definitely. So when you're networking, said, for this said industry. Yeah. She says to find two passions, something you already love and something you want to try. And that's how you can get to know people who follow under the same industry that you're trying to get into. Oh, okay. Ideally, is yeah. what the thing is there. Yeah. 
um, schedule up. Like she says, go to events, meet the people, have these conversations, yeah. get your name out there, especially if you're trying to have a starter in the industry. Right? Yeah. Networking is so, so important. Yeah. Do your homework. Who, what kind of people are going to be at these events? Yeah. Um, how can they help you? How can you learn from them? Exactly. Um, have like self-confidence, gall, nerve. Don't be timid and shy when approaching the room. Mm-hmm. Radiate confidence and people will, will then approach you. Yeah. Um, let your friends be social lubricant. Don't like alcohol. Don't rely on alcohol in these oh, kind of okay. scenarios. You, that's good advice. Because you see people oftentimes get sloppy. Yeah. And, and it's then it's not unprofessional. Good. Exactly. Be smart, not a smarty pants. Mm-hmm. Right? This, again, comes with confidence. A lot of confidence is you don't need to be allowed to know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> be a player is the next one. <laughs> and it's, it's basically, like, have good conversation starters, like, in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about the weather. The weather gets boring. Yeah. One thing that she even said that's a little bit more neutral but still can get conversation started is sports. Yeah. Especially if you're in a certain demographic, right? Right. Like, if you're in toronto yeah a lot of people love the blue jays yeah right yeah like know about the blue jays be able to have a conversation don't speak out of your ass though yeah um and she's like so have a plan know the jargon get a cheerleader get someone who's on your side that you can like talk to you about the hardships because if you do want to open something for yourself it is going to be difficult yes 100 percent. but don't because you don't want to be complaining to everyone around you yeah and you don't want to be weighing everyone down but have someone in your life. I mean, for our specific example, we are yeah. each other's yeah. cheerleader. Yeah, definitely. But if you're starting this on your own, she suggests not for it to be your significant other because it could be um, okay. relationship trauma. Yeah, that's a good But idea. to a certain extent, it could be your significant other or yeah. your parent or a good friend. Yeah. But is that. Um, chapter nine now is about retirement. Mm-hmm. So her first tip in this is... She talks about when do you start putting money into a retirement plan? Mm-hmm. And her first, her tip is to pay off debt first and then think about retirement. Right. Because if you're paying interest on your debt, then you're having to pay back more money that could then go into your into retirement, retirement fund. So yeah. If you just focus your income, pay off that debt, and then start thinking about retirement, in the end, you're going to have more money for retirement yeah definitely because you're not gonna have to pay all these extra nonchalant um expenses yeah so if you want to live in a frugal retirement way 60 percent of your working pay is what you should have like saved up yeah if you want to live comfortably 80 percent and luxury is like 100 percent. basically you don't have to stop your life yeah you just stop working yeah uh then she has a few calculators that you can use for retirement aarp uh finra or on her site, NicoleLappin.com, she does have a oh, retirement nice. calculator. Wow, that's really handy. One thing that's funny is that in this book, it is assuming a 3% inflation rate. In Canada right now, we are at about 7%. Yeah. So. That's uh, not nice. This is going to come up and down, of course. Yeah. She then t- brings up a 401k. And I might be... This might be stupid. I don't think we have 401k specifically in Canada, but I think we have a different type of... Yeah, we refer to them differently. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. But basically, 
a 401k, something that's set up by your employers, but it's not best for everyone to buy into. You get to choose if you want to pay into the 401k or not. Yeah. Um, it technically is like a profit sharing account. It's not technically a retirement account. Yeah. And so there are some things you need to look at when you are, if you are considering buying into your 401k, um, is your employer going to match your rate? Is it like, do you have to wait a certain amount of time to get into it? Yada, yada, yada. Um, I just Googled in Canada, we call it our RRSP. So registered Mm -hmm. retirement savings plan. Yeah. So, Yeah. And then, but, but if you have a pension, if you have a job with a pension, pensions mm-hmm. are on the employer, 401ks are on you. Yeah. So a lot of them would go for 401ks because it's cheaper for them in the long run. Yeah. Um, another type of retirement account is an IRA, an individual retirement account. And that one, it gets taxed. The account gets taxed when you pull money out. Mm-hmm. I think the number for, you have to wait until like 59 and a half. Very specific oh, okay. number. Yeah. But there's that. And then a Roth IRA is very similar, but you, you pay tax before putting it in the account. So when you pull the right. money out, you don't have to worry about that. Well, it's kind of like a TFSA, right? Like you're putting money in there that you've already been taxed on. Mm-hmm. So when it comes out, you're not taxed on it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, then she kind of talks on about life insurance a bit. The main purpose of life insurance is to replace your earning potential to those that may need it when you die. Mm-hmm. If you don't have anyone that may mm-hmm. need money from you when you die, <clears throat> you don't technically need it yeah it's, it's not going to benefit yeah. unless you like want to give that money to a charity or yeah. you have like a niece that you want to give it to but it's not exactly totally necessary yeah um and when you're choosing insurance there's term insurance which is like a set amount for a fixed amount of time um if you die your heirs get it if you don't you get it back mm-hmm. or there's permanent insurance which is a lifelong policy with an investment component so that you can leave tax-free money to loved ones but the issue with that one is that they do um, charge fees, commissions, surrender charges, and a higher premium monthly. Yeah. So again, looking into where you're at in your area and if that's something worth it for you or not. Yeah, definitely. Is to look into. Chapter 10, that's when it's all about investing. And this is like, I think what most people are interested in. Yeah. Um, it's what I know the least about. Yeah, me too. Um. So it's really fun. So she starts with, she has these little quizzes in the back of these chapters kind of thing to see if you are ready for, again, Mm -hmm. to be your own boss, if your savings are right, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So this one she starts with, are you ready to invest? Do you have your emergency fund set up? Uh, Do you have all of your credit cards paid in full? Are you paying off all your other debt on time? Mm -hmm. Do you have a retirement system set? And do you have money saved to start investing? So basically her thing is don't go into this if you are going to, again, bring on debt mm-hmm. um, or be on the streets. Yeah. Like have your everything else set up first mm-hmm. and then start having money that you can put into investments so that you can make it grow. Yeah. Um, discount, there's brokerages that you can go into. So a discount brokerage would be like a do-it-yourself kind of operation. Um Cost per trade is typically 8 to $10. Or full-service brokerage is where you have a professional managing your account. Mm-hmm. And she said that it's about 150 per trade plus possible commission Okay, when you get into these type of things. Yeah. Um, in Canada, I know there are some banks that you can invest through your bank directly. Mm-hmm. So that's something to look into. It'd be a DIY operation for you. Um, but you can 
set up a, uh, an appointment and talk about how to get that going. Yeah. Uh, and then she kind of see talk like she has all these little quizzes to see if you are more comfortable with a conservative, a moderate, or an aggressive investing tactic. Um, the conservatives you just kind of put it in there, you let it grow over time. It's whatever. Moderate yeah. it has a little bit more ups and downs. You're going to see those crashes and and yeah. uh, rises. And then the aggressive is very much like day trading, right? Yeah. You put it in here, but you know at 4 p.m. it's going to be doubled, and then you pull it out right away, and then you do it again the next day. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to investing, you if you own it versus loaning, your owning investments are what are called stocks, and you're basically buying a partial ownership in a company. Mm-hmm. And so you have these physical... I mean, it's not really physical, but like you have these assets that are under your name, and you're like... If this company does good, then they will have to pay out uh, dividends to yeah your, to their shareholders. Your, your shareholders, yeah. Loaning is bonds, which is more of what goes off the IOU uh, type of idea, and you get your money back with interest, typically. Yeah, this is good for a conservative way because you're putting out the set of money. You know when you're going to get back, and you know you're going to get it back with interest. Yeah, but if you want to make um, a lot of money over time you're not going to make a lot of money over time with bonds. Yeah. It's good for, uh, in the moment, investing more so than the long term. Yeah. And in this, so she has a chart for that breaks down, like the owning investment and loaning investment. And so she has, for this example, $5,000 each over 40 years. The rate of the return on the own investment is 10%, and the rate of return on your loan is 5%. So... At five thousand in forty years, at the ten percent or five percent, the ten percent you're going to get two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars after forty years. Yeah. The five percent you're going to get thirty-five thousand dollars after forty years. Yeah. So when you're playing the long game, owning the stocks is the better option. Yeah. It's just going to be scary as you get started. Yeah, it's a, yeah less of like a a safer. Yeah. Like, quote unquote. You can't necessarily think of it as money that you have on hand at all times. Yeah. You have to put it in being like, this is going to do me really good when I'm 57. Yeah. Right? If I'm starting this at 24. Yeah. 57, that's when I, that's when it's going to start, I'm going to start seeing some like substance from this um, investment. Yeah. Um, and then there's, she has some own and loan investment rules. Ooh. The rule for what percentage you invest for stocks is 100 minus your age. So for example, this gives a 30-year-old portfolio that's 70% stock mm-hmm. and the best and the rest 30% in loan investments like bonds. Okay. So she kind of splits it up. You can do both. Mhm. Yeah. Uh, and then for the bond, the rule for what percentage of your investment should go into the bond category is your age. So for example, if you're 30, you would only have 30% of money in bonds. Okay. So she's saying have more in stocks, have some in bonds. Yeah. Um, based off of your age, which I think was an interesting oh, tactic. Oh, I really like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, so I thought that was an interesting point to say. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the younger you are, the more money you'll be putting in the stocks because the longer you have for that to appreciate. Mm-hmm. Instead of like if you're 80 and you put in 20% of whatever into stocks, like you don't have... Exactly. Yeah. You're going to need the money less immediately. And when it comes to investing in these things, these investments can then in turn 
help you pay for kids college funds and yep. whatnot later on does she talk about um like resps not no not no in this. not at all no okay. and she's talking mostly yeah 401ks and uh but no resps doesn't get brought up oh. in her terms i wonder if they even have that in the states um, yeah that's okay yeah anyway you know um and then she kind of breaks down the the conservative moderate and uh Aggressive. aggressive paths again so for the conservative paths she said on average the age is mostly like 45 and older uh your income's not totally certain your time horizon you expect your next big purchase to be in the next five years um and you're very cautious nature like i said this one's more like you just put it in you let it sit i definitely fall i think more for my comfortability yeah same i'm with more me. conservative yeah um but that's because I don't know so much on investing. Yeah. Yet, so I would like to get more into it. Uh, for the moderate path, she said the ages on average are like 35 to 44. You have a pretty steady income situation. You expect your next big, next big purchase to be in the next 10 years. Um, and it's like paying for a child's education. Right. Um, you're generally logical, rational, responsible. So you know what you're getting into. Yeah. And you're willing to take these like up and down, more of these up and down risks. Yeah. Um, the aggressive path is 20 to 34. Uh, you might come into a raise or more money. All the time in the world and all the rewards are just gravy to your life. Oh my goodness. Um, you're the first person to raise your hand if the option to go skydiving presents itself. The age things, age points, I kind of disagree with because I think yeah. it is good for younger people to just have something in a more conservative kind of investment just to have it grow over your lifespan. It seems incredibly like almost irresponsible and naive to like put it all into aggressive stocks like unless mm -hmm. you're really knowledgeable about it i guess but like i could never and like for us to get in if we wanted quicker cash to help us get ahead <clears throat> learning about the aggressive stocks would be i guess better for if you want it right now yeah but if you're playing the end game you need to think that far and ahead exactly like far in advance, yeah right? and so it's just an interesting chapter to read to see her opinions on that mm -hmm. and then again she brings up real estate as well as like either being a great or terrible investment yeah um depending on your situation depending on who you ask depending on where you are yeah um and because yeah, she can't really say like this is the be all end all for everyone because no and then she talks about commodities you can invest in commodities but the issues with that is that if there's um say you're investing in a in a book Mm -hmm. and the warehouse burns down yeah well you no longer yeah your commodities are they're gone yeah you're gonna be out so much right so that's that um and then chapter 11 this one is primarily for the female kind of demographic of her book um the chapter is rich bits and rich bitch in a man's world mm -hmm. and so men are four times more likely to ask for a raise Mm -hmm. than woman and it's just so it's funny to see how psychologically that that goes and she's basically describing how to approach this yeah so timing ask to set up a time with your boss right yeah don't approach them at 5 30 on a friday like they want to <laughs> get out they're not going to be interested in this conversation exactly right uh do your homework what is your industry standard what are your male and female counterparts making yeah um so that you're not going in blindly being like, I want to raise. And it's like, well, how much? 
I don't know. Yeah. Right? I, just, I thought you would have a number, like... Exactly. Because, realistically, <laughs> your employers don't want to... They, they want to pay you for as less as, as they possibly can. Yeah. They want to right? profit. Yeah. Um, gather evidence. List off your accomplishments, what you do, what you provide. Yeah. How you have grown the company or how you have supported it. Yeah. Uh, put your community first, right? You don't want to go in being like... Hey, you're an asshole because you paid you paid Brock more than you pay Sally. Yeah, right. You want to keep those relationships. Yep. Because you're here, and it's a again networking exactly aspect of things. Yep. Um, and then you want to maybe get creative. Like if they're not, if they're like, listen, we really cannot give you a pay raise. Yeah. Try to negotiate um, better <laughs> benefits then. Yeah. Or have something else that you're being compensated, so it's not coming out of your pocket to get your kids teeth cleaned exactly right yeah um when you become the boss get to know your employees trust them don't micromanage yep you should have you should do that research prior to hiring them and know that they've they've got their shit together yeah um practice like compliment sandwiches yeah so they don't feel like you're being abrasive or neglect or neglectful yeah and then also be nice to yourself as a boss because it is for females to be in a boss position is still weird yeah for many people yeah very much so and imposter syndrome can be really huge yeah definitely so try to separate the emotion and the imposter syndrome as best you can without losing who you are yeah when you come to with your partner right she called it uh the opposite of a rich bitch is a rich dude (laughs) which is funny yeah but she's like when you find your rich dude you need to talk money with them, right? Yeah. So you need to know each other's debts, credit scores, so you can line endgame goals. Yeah. If you're not on the same page, it's a recipe for chaos. Mm-hmm. Because if you're like, I want to retire, and he's like, absolutely not, I'm working till I die, and you're like, well... Yeah, cool, good chat. I guess we won't be spending time together, right? Or even like in the student loan debt um, chapter, she talks about how this girl like came and talked to her and she was seeing two different guys mm-hmm. and they both stopped talking to her because she told them that she had a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt mm-hmm. because once you get married your spouse absorbs that debt yeah yeah and and so that's something you, you do bring up if you're being serious with someone right yeah before you have that legal document <laughs> it's a very important conversation to have yeah um and then you gotta consider like how do you guys want to live what do you want to do in life together mm-hmm. how can you two as partners get there Oh, okay. Because when you're getting into that contract phase of marriage, yeah. these are things that you are absorbing. Yes, and it is a contract, right? Yeah. Like, Yeah. What are your family goals? What are the costs of these family goals? Yeah. I went on a date with a guy, and he openly said he wants nine kids, and I was like, holy <laughs> shit. I was like, um, okay, I'm not sacrificing my lifestyle. Yeah. And that's where he comes up like with love is blind, right? Yeah. When Raven's like, that's great. I'm not sacrificing my lifestyle. Because you're going back to school. Exactly. And she shouldn't have to, right? Like, yeah. you, these are conversations that are important to have before you get married. I work hard. I'm good with my money. Yeah. I'm, I'm curated my life for me. Yeah. And so that is something you have to consider when you are talking to a partner. Exactly. You don't want to marry, like, a shopaholic and you're like, okay, and now I work to fund them. Yeah. Because that creates tension. Yeah. But if I'm like, I'm like, if I, <laughs> I know my wage does not provide for nine kids. Mm-hmm. You better be working your ass off. Yeah, you're going to have to or, do something else. Yeah, so it's just not a thing. Yeah. Um, and then separating out your accounts to yours, mine, and ours. And I think a good tip for this is based off a percentage of paycheck. Yeah. Because that way, 
the numbers obviously might not be the same. Yeah. And that's okay. But it might feel the same. For, yeah. And that's the feeling, right? Yeah. Versus if you have a set number and say, my wage is way less. And so getting to that set number is going to cause mm-hmm. me more distress than it is that other person. Exactly. That's where breaking it down by percentages. Yeah. Um, and I know some couples that don't have separate accounts. Yeah. But personal decision, I want some of my own. So I don't have to like ask or justify purchases that exactly. I want to have. Yeah. Or even if you surprise someone with a gift or something, I don't want them to be like, oh, what, what's that? Yeah. I saw this in your bank account. But having the hours accounts for your like primary expenses. living expenses, if you have kids, your primary expenses come out of that. Yeah. And you divvy up your percentage of your paycheck based off of what you need to cover. Yeah. I saw a video of like these couples, they did like the yours mine hours and so they had like the hours with the expenses but then they also got like basically an allowance yeah like each month they got however much money to spend on whatever they wanted the other spouse didn't get to question it like yeah yeah that's good other things when it comes to marriage to consider prenups mm-hmm. um if you're going with a lot of assets and you divorce rates are high so yeah if you don't want to take that risk consider a prenup yep will you be doing your taxes jointly or separately um, yeah. My understanding is that you can't switch once you decide. Yes, that's also what I learned. So going into that. Yep. Wills. Um, having your will set up. Do you want this person to be part of your will? Yeah. Um, are you not concerned about it? Are you just want like if you're coming in with your own kids, do you just want your money to go to your kids? Yeah. Try to think like that. Have that all set up. And whether or not you insure each other's lives or have oh, each other's un- yeah. your life insurance, is that worth it to you? Yeah. And then the last chapter is just kind of wrapping it up. She basically talks about an organized home equals an organized mind, organized life. Yeah. So clean your space and clear your mind. Your health is a serious business. Prioritize it. Invest in it. Yeah. Um, you're, yeah, you're not going to be living life or making money if you're sick in the hospital every month. Exactly. Schedule workouts as you would meetings, mm-hmm. right? Don't make your life so busy that you are sacrificing your health. Yeah. And refer back to your budget and spending plan regularly. Yes. Life changes, so adjust as necessary. Do these check-ins. Um, keeps it active in your mind. Yeah. And reaffirms. And one quote that I really liked about this one is, everything will be okay, and if it's the end, or if it's not okay, it's not the end. Yeah. I know. It's just, it's very, like, reaffirming. Yeah. It's like, okay, life feels, feels kind of shitty right now, but it's like, it's okay. It's not the end. I still have a chance to go up from here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she does have a pretty um, hefty glossary with every term that is brought up, mm-hmm. which is good to kind of start getting the jargon if you're uh, naive when it comes to money. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, just important things to know. And she, I really, really like how she wrote this book because it's in such an like easy to understand, digestible way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, one thing I realized I missed, I wrote another quote under the career um, aspect that I really liked as well. And if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Yeah. And the premise of this being like, surround yourself with with people who are inspiring and motivating and people who are like-minded so that you get to where you want to be and you're not being dragged down by your, your uh, surroundings. They're going to challenge you because you can't Mm -hmm. grow in your comfort zone. So that's basically what we got for, uh, Rich Bitch by Nicole Lappin. Yeah. Really interesting book. Very good. Highly recommend that you guys read it. There's so much information in there. Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, it is the female perspective, so keep that in yeah. in mind. Um, but there's a lot of easily digestible 
knowledge in there. Yeah. Uh, we don't have any segment today because this is long. <laughs> it's going to be a very long episode. <laughs> uh, next week, we are calling ourselves out, so that will be really That'll fun. That'll be super fun. And, yeah, for now, I'm Mac Jupes. Uh, you're Mac, Mac Jupes. <laughs> I'm Mac Joy. <laughs> I'm Mitch Jupes. <laughs> we are so much oh, slaps on everything. That's <laughs> uh, for now. And next month's book club will be announced on our Instagram. Yep. Okay. Bye. Bye. I wanted to pause to see if you would notice that you say back.